stupid cable companies. Yep. Yeah, oh well. Did they give you, like, an estimate of time when it would be? No, not at all. I just came home and there were multiple lights on my modem that weren't on. So, (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Well, at least there's books. Um. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Maybe you can drive my car. Oops, sorry, wrong song. Back to Manga in Your Ears. I'm Corey. Uh, next song that you heard at the top of the episode was from the live action The Amaga Coon. Hello and April are with me as always. Hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, we are here talking about Pluto by Naoki Arasawa and uh, Yamaga Coon and the Seven Witches by Miki Yoshikawa. I think that's the person. <laughs> mm, that was off of my memory, so. I had the book around her somewhere, but it's not right in front of me. Yeah, it's Miki Yoshikawa. Hooray! Uh, <laughs> memory works for something. Oh, cool. Uh. <laughs> All right, but first we're going to start with Pluto, um, which is a reimagining of Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy by Naoki Urasawa. He worked alongside Tezuka's kid, right? Mm. In kind of like creating this manga, making sure it's relatively faithful to the original Astro Boy, but through six volumes of it, uh, the titular eight. Astro Boy, well... There's eight volumes total in the series. But in this, for six volumes, the <laughs> the so-called Astro Boy is not, like, the main character. Ah. Or ostensibly the main character, I suppose. Well, I mean, he's not the main character of this story because the story isn't called Astro Boy, it's called Pluto, which right. is the villain they're fighting the whole time. Right. And, uh... Oh, gosh, this is this manga is a little complicated. It is. All of our Asawa stories really are. Yeah. But basically, yes, this are. one's only eight <laughs> volumes instead of 20th Century Boys, which is like 20 plus volumes. <laughs> yes, it is. And that is a very complex story, yeah. And that also goes into like 21st Century Boys, which I'm not sure how they connect, but they must be older. <laughs> well, we're not, we'll talk about 20th Century Boys another time. Probably. <laughs> yes, right. Whenever my library decides to, to actually obtain all of the volumes i can talk about it but yeah pluto was my first intersect interaction with urasawa i never really read monster or master keaton uh have you guys read anything else by him um i'm pretty sure that i've read most of everything that's out i think i've even read a little bit of that pineapple army but i think pluto was the second series of his that i read and i think i might actually like pluto the best probably because it's shorter uh he has a tendency to have a lot of uh loose threads that sort of tie up un anticlimactically but since this is so short it ties up a little bit better at the end so at least that i can remember yeah i've not read anything else by urso i believe uh oh, gosh. <laughs> i've read one volume of monster uh oh my gosh <laughs> and that was like 
the old books of Monster and not these new fancy ones that they're making, too. Oh, man. Uh, like, a long time ago. Corey, was, you're hurting us here. I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, really. I'm sorry. I'm a failure. <laughs> um, but a long time ago, I was given the ultimatum of uh, read, read a volume of Pluto or don't watch sports anime for a week by Casey. Wait, who gave that to you? Casey yeah, Minofsky Oracle. Because he, I think he was tweeting about Pluto at the time. At the time and I was like, oh, I've been at Regan Eater Asawa, and the, these screenshots that you're posting seem pretty cool. He's like, you have to watch this. And then he gave me the ultimatum, and I'm like, well, I guess I have to read Pluto now, which is, like, the best decision that I made. <laughs> um, but yeah, this manga is super good. It, it's clearly commenting on more than just, uh, like, Pluto and Pluto and Astro Boy and all of the things around it, because they, they say that there are robots of mass destruction, which there weren't actually robots of mass destruction, which is definitely not a reference to anything that the United States has ever done. Nope. <laughs> not at all. Uh, and they uh, definitely changed the name from the United States of America to the United States of Thracia, or That's Thracia right. or something. Oh, yeah, I remember that, too. Yeah, it was yeah. like, this guy has a bone to pick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very large one. <laughs> Urasawa clearly has something to say about the Bush administration and their, <laughs> their dealings with um, the Middle East, even going so far as like showing the destruction of what happens and like saying that they created peace in the world when there's, or with create peace in the region when there's clearly not peace in the region. Mm. Um, but like there, there is like the perception of peace in the region, so it's okay, but it's not okay. Yeah, we're not talking out of our asses here or anything. The series really did run from 2003 to 2009, and also all three of us were through, were here for the Bush presidency, and that was not fun. Uh, nope. Did not enjoy. Do not I don't, I don't know if we, if we touched on what the basic plot is, but from what I can remember, and it has been years, I think I was reading the series maybe as it was coming out. Um, it focuses on the main character whose name I don't want to mispronounce but I feel like it's like Gesh or something like that and he is he a detective of some sort if I remember yeah, and he's, he's investigating those robot murders he's a mm -hmm. detective in Europol mm -hmm. and he's one of the seven strongest robots in the world correct Why? Yep. That, right right so he's you, actually one of them you spell his name G-E-S-I-C-H-T, and he's German, and I don't know how to say that. Uh -huh. Yeah, I gave it my best shot, but I my best yeah, guess. Yeah. like something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. But at least when I was reading it, it I, I'm pretty sure that I was reading it as it came out, but it was, like, it was almost like an extended movie. It felt very intense, and I know there were a few of the volumes that ended on cliffhangers, I guess because, you know, you're essentially chasing a murder so it's gonna be a little intense but you know as he meets the uh various other robots throughout the series and learns about their backstories and their lives and deaths and things like that um there were a couple like really emotional moments in the series for me there's that one there's that one particular robot that like i think he plays like the piano or something like that yeah. i can't yeah that, that one's name was north number two He's That's from right. Sweden, I believe, and he was taking care of a old composer who is blind, mm -hmm. and he has this huge mansion, and he's basically just the robot butler for him. 
yeah, Wikipedia says he's Scottish, not Swedish. Scottish, okay. And that's definitely a main theme, I think, in the stories that we have these seven most powerful robots in the world. And all of them are pretty peaceful by this point. A number of them have been fighting in a giant war that went on earlier. Some of them didn't. But none of them really want to be weapons of mass destruction. They just want to live out as people, the idea of people encompassing both humans and robots at that point, since we're in a society which has integrated humans and robots to an extent or some. And there are some uh, robot equality laws, which there's another piece of commentary where there's clearly allusions to the KKK and Mm -hmm. how they are uh, trying to persecute robots as much as the real-life KKK is trying to persecute black people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, a lot of that definitely comes up. And then if I remember correctly, one of the latter robots, like I feel like he was towards the end, actually had a family and children. I don't know if he was with another robot. I can't ask. Ah. There, there was one, um, Epsilon, um, who took care of an orphanage. That's probably what you're thinking Okay, about. okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That's there there thinking is of. another one, Brando, who did have a family I, 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 and five that, children. It's Brando. Yep. It's, it's mm-hmm. And Adam and Iran are siblings. Yep. Somehow, oh. robot siblings. Okay. Yeah. I, Iran, I forget exactly how they said that. I don't know how they're siblings. They never really explained that. But Iran is not considered one of the seven strongest, but Adam is. Mm-hmm. Guess yeah, she gets the very feminine power of great empathy, while all the other strongest robots <laughs> are all masculine. And I don't know if Urasawa did that on purpose, if this is something he borrowed from the original Astro Broy manga. Or if he was just that blind to the gender stereotypes he was giving his characters. Mm. I think it's a little bit of borrowing from Astro Boy manga, which did not have the same kind of gender dynamics in the 60s as they do now, and also ignorance on, perhaps ignorance on this part. I'm, I haven't read any of the other ones, so I can't speak to if this is a trend or not. Have any of you all read the original, uh, I guess, part of Astro Boy that this was based on? I meant to, but I don't think I ever got around that have you all ever did you all ever read the original to compare i i don't know if it's been licensed in the u.s i certainly yeah, haven't i don't know uh i've watched like a couple episodes of astro boy but i don't i didn't know that this was based off an arc yeah it was based, based off of the manga. greatest robot on earth arc okay. mm-hmm. i know that dark horse has those small um omnibuses for astro boy now so i didn't know if that arc had been covered in that or if that's something separate i'd always meant to go back um and compare pair the two um, but yeah I think uh, Urasawa tried to stay faithful to that I think I don't know if you if Urasawa worked with Suzuka's son but he worked with some part of his family to try to make sure that it still um, honored uh, the original idea I guess yeah he did work with um, Tezuka's son um, he says he supervised the series I remember I saw um, TV show Ad which is based um, which I think his son supervising it. The impression that Tezuka's family is being quite rightfully pretty protective towards his um, creative legacy. Right. And I'm not surprised since like they're using like actual characters and actual names, and we are definitely within the still 50 years, I think, of copyright. I think it's like life plus 50 or 75 years after death in the U.S. Yeah, at I think least. it's like yeah, I think it's like 75 maybe. But either we way, just need to figure out how long ago Disney died and calculate from then. Because <laughs> that, that really is what's defined like copyright longevity in the U.S., honestly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to um, Japan's Disney. Yeah, I really did like this story since it was yeah, it felt very... 
the, this story felt really tightly plotted and very exciting. Um, like you guys said, there were a lot of cliffhangers and it really is a mystery thriller. Um, especially since pretty early on in the story, it looks like a robot has been doing all these murders and the robots in the story kind of follow, um, those three laws of robotics that pop up a lot in fiction. And one of them is you can't kill people. You're a robot. Or you can't harm humans. I think it goes so far as to say, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to remember how exactly then we had all these robots fighting in a war previously. I don't remember how they worked that around, but so uh, the, that part is, uh, they are just fighting other robots. So there's a scene between, uh, Mont Blanc, who is the robot that dies at the beginning of the series, Brando and Hercules, where they just say, how many of you killed? Like, they're tallying up numbers, and Mont Blanc responds, too many, or a lot, or something like this. And that's uh, something that a robot wouldn't say, because that is so indefinite and undefined. And then uh, Hercules comes in and says, well, you've killed 2,000, you've killed... 2,500, you've killed 3,000. So, like, they are uh, essentially participating in a genocide of their own race throughout this war, and they don't have much of a choice in it. And I also definitely like the storytelling choice not to set this during the war, but after the war, which I just feel like is much more interesting and rarely done. Typically, if you have a story which is going to involve a war, in some sense, it will be set, you know, during the glories of battle. But no, this is about characters who are moving on after... The atrocities they committed and there's still stuff going on in the world there's still stuff going wrong that they have to keep paying attention to the world doesn't end after a war which sounds obvious but i didn't mean it in the obvious way <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does uh frequently flash back to the war if not in any significant amount you know like part of a chapter here part of a chapter there so you're never too far removed from it because the the robots themselves are never that far removed from it since they don't have the holy memories that humans do and they just remember everything unless they straight up delete that information. And there, at least from what I remember, there are a couple of robots that that happens to maybe not major robots, but that uh, I think that in one of the if I remember correctly, there was a a couple couple like a robot couple where memories were deleted or something like that or the robot lost his personality it might have been like a side story or something like that like i said it's been a number of years um since i've read this series but uh to sort of piggyback off of what helen said it does feel like a tightly plotted series um and urasawa's other original series don't always feel as tightly plotted so that's the nice thing about this is that it's uh, a little uh, more brisk of a pace than some of his other series, and it feels like it's uh, building to something uh, in that final volume. Also, in one of the volumes, um, there's a really cool scene. Um, I can't remember if it's with, it might have been with flowers where it's totally in color. Like, the series is obviously in black and white, but there's one scene in the middle of the series, I think, um, where there's a bunch of oh, flowers yes. or messages. That, that, that always stuck out. It was super cool. So, just as an aside. Yes, uh, that did totally happen, and it is kind of weird to see, like, color pages in the middle of all this black-and-white manga. Yeah, 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 it's pretty cool. And I really liked Urasawa's art as well. I think that's what first drew me into Pluto when I was, I think I was flipping through a volume or two at my local library, since he draws very realistically, and it's 
a rather attractive um, realisticness since everybody looks distinct and different and there's a real variety to the styles of robots. And I also like the joke that Urasawa draws such strong noses on his characters. He's trying to make mm. up for the lack of noses on like every other manga character out there. Yeah, and the giant noses are also carry over partially from Tezuka. They got these big schnozzes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, to go back to the memory loss, I guess the not memory loss, memory like deletion it is part of the uh, a main story of Geish. Geish, uh, I still don't know. the main character. From Europol. Um, three years ago, his memory was deleted, and he doesn't really know why. His wife doesn't really know why he was experiencing the same kind of memory deletion. And the uh, the scientist who's who is in charge of maintaining maintaining him and who created him um, also doesn't know why because this was part of the German government's decision, not anyone else's decision. It plays in so, quite a bit. And, yeah, and I was going to say, that, and that's a major plot point from what I remember is he's he's trying to sort of track this killer, but also figure out why he has these, these holes. Yep, uh, and he goes memory. he goes and visits uh, the one robot in history that has killed another human, Brow fifteen eighty nine, I believe. That's is the, right. Yep. And he's super creepy, man. Yeah. Like I think <laughs> he's like he's like in a basement somewhere. Like that's a super creepy scene. Like. And yeah, they keep him alive, but, like, partially dismantled, and it's yeah. like, that is some straight-up human rights violation right there. Yep. They have robot laws about this. <laughs> Not just laws, robot laws. Yep, it's like the Civil Rights Act for robots. Mm. There is, a uh, beyond the Pluto and all of that seeming faction trying to kill the seven strongest robots, they are also going after the creators of those robots. And they succeed on a couple of them, including the man who wrote the robot laws to try and seek equality for all robots, as opposed to what they've been doing, which is presumably just treating them like machines or treating them like uh, they are the property of humans. I completely yeah, I remember those bits, because that's what really had people worried, is that it was seemed to be a robot who was killing not just other robots, but humans, you know, yeah. and then going after a person who made these laws. It's like, oh, dear. Yep. <laughs> oh dear is right <laughs> yeah I do remember I didn't like how the manga ended um, I, I don't remember the exact details why but I was a little unsatisfied I think partially I was unsatisfied with you know we clearly have this entity out there Pluto who is killing all these people and yet nobody can figure out who they are and where they are and that did feel like a bit of a stretch to me at times just like the Zodiac Killer but for robots <laughs> was there even a Zodiac Killer uh, yeah, Ted Cruz is dead. No, I thought it was Ted Cruz. Oh, right. Well, whatever. Related to Ted Cruz in some way. <laughs> but yeah, and um, I guess we should end talking about Pluto with the announcement that there is going to be uh, what I think is going to be a series of movies starting to come out in the next couple of years by um, Studio Mappa. Right. Um, I think they're doing, the plan is like eight movies for eight volumes. So we'll see how that goes pacing-wise and everything. That'll be good. Hopefully they can, like, vary the times of the movie. So one movie can be, like, 45 minutes, and then another movie can be an hour and a half if the volume dictates it. I hope so, anyway. You all are serious, right? Like, I'm totally behind on news. So there's going to be eight movies? Yeah, this came out months ago, April. Oh, I'm like, like there was a leak at, like, a film festival, and um, I saw some people who reported from uh, an amazement where... um, 
the head of Ma- uh, MAPA goes to Otakon in Animazement every year, and he did oh. privately confirm there, and people kept quiet about it, that yes, they are working on Pluto. Oh, well, <laughs> call me a surprise, then. So exciting. I can know how to pronounce his name now. Yes. Urasawa? No, <laughs> Our problem with the name is that it is not only supposed to be German, it is German gone through Japanese back to English. It's like, and that's our problem spoke, with this. So that's an issue as well. I'm sure we've all at least heard or saw his name, but his name is not spoken because it's yeah, so, and I don't think that a lot of Urasawa's stories have been adapted into anime. I know Monster and Master Keaton have been, uh, but I think those are the only two, so kind uh, of interesting. You are. Yeah, you are. Oh, he did that one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, any closing thoughts on Pluto before we move on to the Yamakakun? People should read it. It's short. Um, I think it cuts out some of Urasawa's weaknesses. It might just be because he's adapting somebody else's material. I think it's a good... Um, introduction to him, if you like his art style and, and sort of the cinematic piece of his style, it's a good intro to things like Monster um, and 20th Century Boys. That's, as much as I like Monster and that's the, the his main series, if you want to get started and you want to get started kind of short, uh, this would be the series that I would recommend. Just prepare to be sad since there is a serial killer on the loose and he is targeting <laughs> the characters we're meeting. That's, that's also true. <laughs> yep. yep, I really love Pluto as well. Uh, there is so much more that I want to say that's kind of spoilery, so I won't get into the weeds, but you can tweet at me, I guess. Uh, With our new 280 character tweets, we can talk about new fewer tweets than before. Uh, yes, gosh. yes, tweeted us about this. So many. <laughs> hey man, I was able to fit so much of the Utena dueling song into one of those tweets now. <laughs> 280 characters, it's great. You got like 70 retweets out of it, I don't even know. <laughs> I have, like, 100 <laughs> likes on it now. I'm so oh proud gosh. of that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's take a break, and then we'll be back with Yamaka-kun. Beep, beep, yeah. And we are back, y'all, and we are back to talk about our currently ongoing series, Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches by Miki Yoshikawa. The series has ended in Japan, and it was being simulpubbed by Crunchyroll Manga for quite a while, so I believe all three of us have read to the end. Um, but we're going to talk more about some of the earlier volumes, since we don't want to spoil people and stuff that hasn't come out in print form in the U.S. yet. The earlier ones are the best ones, too. Yeah, yeah, some of the later arcs start going off the rails. <laughs> it's easy to tell that Yoshikawa originally planned to end the series at one point and then kept going. Yep. I have, I have not read to the end, nowhere close to the end. So. Oh, I thought you had. Um, oh, no, spoilers, no, no. there are more witches. There are so many witches. <laughs> there are so many witches in the series, guys, more than seven. <laughs> so how long, how many volumes did the series wind up having? Because I have seven sitting here, and I have not read all seven. But how many volumes does the series have total? Twenty-eight. Like, oh. oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I was about to say thirty-something. So. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
seven volume of myself. Yeah, I think that's about how many I have right now as well. So it's going to take a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it worth all 30 volumes? Or 28, 30? It, it, so far, I really like it. I think I'm going to try and collect the whole thing by the end. I did enjoy it enough. Mm. Yeah, so our main story is that we start off with Ru Yamada of the title, and he's in high school. He's, I think, um, starting his second year or so, and he's a total delinquent. He's failing his classes. Nobody likes him because he got into this really smart school. He studied really hard, and now he's just, like, totally behind everyone else. He's just not happy. Even, like, his one friend has deserted him. And so one day he's going up the stairs, and someone else is going up the stairs as well, but she trips and falls on him, and when they both wake up, they awake with no concussions, but to find that they have switched bodies. Yep. You know, as you do in high school. And so he and the girl that he switched bodies with, um, Urara Shiraishi, are spending quite a bit of time trying to recreate their fall on the stairs, thinking that's how to change themselves back. And after a while, Shiraishi goes, wait, but we kissed as well during this, and Yamada has no memory of this, and for all of his delinquentness, he is still very much um, a virgin pure character who blushes intensely at the thought of kissing another girl. And they kiss again, and boom, they switch bodies back. So this is now a very exciting development for both of them. Since Shiraishi really just wants some free time to study, and Yamada really wants people to be friends with him. So when they switch bodies, Shiraishi and Yamada's body has nobody bothering her while she studies. And Yamada in Shiraishi's body gets tons of um, close friends, and it's great. And also, Shiraishi can take Yamada's tests for him and, like, keep him from failing out of school. <laughs> um, but someone figures out pretty fast. Um, there's a character from uh, uh, the student council at school, because, you know, there's always a student council at these schools. Miyamura, mm-hmm. he figures out what's going on, and they revive this old supernatural studies club, because it turns out that Shiraishi is not the only witch at this school. She is a witch. That's what she is. Uh, there are other witches. There have been other witches. And the Supernatural Studies Club is trying to figure out, you know, what makes all of these witches in the school? What the heck is going on here? What does the student council know? What is this institutional knowledge that keeps being lost? And why does Yamada-kun have the power to, like, borrow other people's powers? So soon they're body swapping all over the place, they're charming people, they're seeing people's worst thoughts, they're seeing the future. There's a whole lot of smooching in this series, guys. So this is a very lighthearted comedy series for most of the time. It does have some darker moments in there, since um, as the characters are trying to figure out why are certain people witches, what do they have in common, they do realize that everyone who has a witch power has um, some sort of deep desire that, uh, or you know, deep unhappiness with school, and the power they get is a power that sort of allows them to have a happier high school life. Like, Shiraishi is felt isolated and body switching lets her kind of be different people and stuff like that. And um, as people might be wondering by now, gee, of all this kissing, what amount of romance is there in the series? I would honestly call this a harem series, since there are like three or four girls who are trying to throw themselves at Yamada at any given time. Mm, yep. And Miyamura, who's definitely trying to throw himself at Yamada at any time. Yep. I still have no idea if that was a gay panic joke or it's supposed to be played totally straight through the whole series or not. I feel like they're just uh, ignorant to the whole what they're doing there and just playing it off as a joke. It's kind of funny that just how persistent Miyamura is throughout the entire series, though. Like, that keeps going for the full 28 volumes. They were just meant to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, this Yamaga Shiraichi grab. Yamaga Miyamura. <laughs> yeah, so the characters... Um, 
continue discovering other witches in school, and then they eventually find out, oh, there seems to be a way they could actually erase the witch powers from everybody, since this is kind of a problem. If you, Every time you kiss somebody, something magical happens. This is kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. And so, that's and then the that ends up... What'd you say? I said that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't know what's going on in your personal life, April, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is basically where the first arc of the manga wraps up. And if anybody's seen the anime, um, that's where the anime wraps up as well. I feel like the anime was a pretty good adaptation, actually, since it condensed quite a bit of material into 12 or 13 episodes very nicely. It had to cut out some things, but it actually worked really well as a condensed adaptation. Yeah, I thought the anime well, that's was, what I was gonna ask. No, that's what I was going to ask, what you all thought of the anime. Because when it first came out, I, I felt like there were people saying it was moving a little fast. So I wondered it, if it was. It was moving hella fast. It was definitely <laughs> moving fast. Like, they adapted, like, a first, the entire first volume fourth of material in the first episode. Yeah. yeah, it went fast the whole time, but it ended up working. I felt like the anime staff had a really good idea of the essentials they needed to keep in to keep the story going. And they didn't make it feel pared down or anything. Yeah, there are some, like, super weird powers. Like, what you said, uh, you find out the person's deepest, darkest secrets in your dream that night when you kiss them. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, that is obviously going to be some sort of uh, heavy material and not going to be the lightheartedness that, they, that you're used to in the Abedicoon, but it gets back to it. Also, the school accidentally burns down. Uh, yep. Almost. <laughs> Darn it, Yamada. Darn it. <laughs> It wasn't his fault, it was the other guy's fault. It's always Yamada's fault. That's true. Or there's even one person, it turns out in each cycle of witches, there's always one person with the power to erase other people's memories with a kiss. And it's funny because Yamada actually has the ability to copy powers and stuff like that. And so with that, they actually discover a couple of new ways to use some of these powers, which have just never come up before. Because they've never really had anyone like this enter in the cycle. April, I'm curious, how far did you get in the series then? Not very far. Not very far at all. When it first came out, I think I got the first volume when it first came out, and I sort of picked it up out of curiosity. Um, and then I read the first one, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. So it's 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 not a series I would normally pick up, I think, because it's so comedy-based. Um, but so far, I really like like the characters. They seem like they all get along really well. And it's just like a funny series. Um it's another one of those series that I'm surprised that like I laughed out loud a couple of times. It's just it's just uh, really goofy. Oh, I remember you said that about Nozaki Kun too. Uh-huh, you don't read much comedy. I don't. I, I, for manga in particular, I don't really go to look uh, for comedy. So yeah, I definitely thought of uh, Nozaki Kun as I was reading Yamada, but Nozaki Kun is definitely uh, funniest. Nozaki is really funny. Um, so yeah, this is definitely a different kind of pickup for me, but I. I've enjoyed it so far. I just was not aware that there were 28 volumes. Yeah, I feel like the story had kind of like three or four overarching arcs. And the second one was kind of pointless. But then the third and the fourth kind of pulled things together at the end. And then it has kind of a weird epilogue. Uh, Yeah, the ending, very, very ending of the manga, I thought was really not as good as the rest of the manga. The art also just didn't look right, you know. Oh, here are all the characters as adults now, and they don't really look like adults. Like, just, no, the art wasn't working. They just look like their characters, but different clothes. Basically. Maybe or their faces, like, looked a little longer. Maybe the hairstyles have changed a little. Uh, that's how I feel as an adult, so maybe it's not that far off. <laughs> 
oh, and Corey, do you remember that there's a, in the later parts of the series, there's an entire cycle of witches that are all guys? Yes. Isn't yes. Yabago part of them, technically? Isn't what? Isn't Yabago part of them, or is he, like, not a part of them, and then just, like, this anomaly? <laughs> there's the part where it gets complicated with the seventh, with seventh witch's powers, and I don't think so. I don't think Yamada ever technically counted it in any of these cycles. He's, like, the outsider within a group of outsiders. Gosh, Yamada. Oh, Yamada. There are too many I, I really did like the comedy in the series. Like, you would think it would be super gross since the powers are entirely based on kissing each other. But um, it's honestly fairly equal opportunity. Like, there's a gag at one point where all the characters in the Supernatural Studies Club are discussing their favorite type of underwear to wear, and everybody's mentioning the female and the male types of underwear, because they've all body-switched so many times, they all really do have a preference for both of them. Which I feel like just kind of sums up Yamada in a nutshell. Like, it's kind of crude and gross, but in a really unexpectedly funny way. There is uh, several moments when... Yamaga just walks up to someone because his grand master plan for anything is, well, if I kiss them and steal their witch power. So he yes. walks up to complete strangers and says, kiss me. And it yep. doesn't work ever, but he never <laughs> learns. <laughs> or even um, Yamada and Shiraishi do eventually become a couple, and he is just, like, so pure and innocent. He's just so flustered by the idea of spending the night over at her house, and he walks away and he goes, oh, nothing really happened. And then the reader finds out, no, Shiraishi wanted something to happen there. Shiraishi <laughs> is more lewd than Yamaga. Shiraishi is a little more dominant than Yamada sometimes, because he just, you know, he, he wants to be respectful and everything, and she's like, okay, we, we just gotta do this now. <laughs> <laughs> Yamada's taking too long. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a, that's one of the ways where you can tell that this is a shonen series, but it's written by a woman. And I feel like that's one of the ways where it comes out that the girls are a little less stereotypical, they're a little more nuanced than you find in a lot of male-written shonen series, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think I would call this feminist or anything, since... Yamada is still the main character and the mover and shaker in the series, and most of the p- characters complement him instead of stand equal to him. But I still feel like in some other ways it does better than usual, since there's also a variety of girls that we meet, a variety of personalities and lives, stuff like that. And, and hair colors. There is that. There are so many hair colors. There is that uh, Twinkles mm-hmm. character that's like always hanging on Yamaga too. Like, I'm not uh, sure. yeah, yeah, the one who definitely wants to be with Yamada. Yep. Senpai! No, go away. <laughs> yeah, she did get kind of annoying, and I was... For me, she was pushing it a lot, and she was being just so clingy at times, like parts of her character rubbed me the wrong way. But in the end, it all worked out, I guess. Yeah, like anytime she showed up, I kind of checked out. After I reread that first part, when she's introduced, she seemed a lot better, but then anything after that is... It's like, why are you just hanging around here? Yeah, she gets kind of, like, moified, you know, when you've got a character who starts out strong, and then they just uh, kind of turn yeah. into, like, a puddly mess. Yeah. Do you guys have any favorite witches so far in the series? I really liked Nene a lot from the first arc. Orogiri is so good. Um, I think I'm too, I'm too early in it. But to sort of go back to what Helen was talking about, about the nuance um, and some of the female characters, I think that's actually what has grabbed me about the series, even in the first few volumes, because for some reason, it's easily noticeable, even from the beginning. Um, I feel like a, a body switch series can get kind of, could get kind of gross fast, and it just, there's something about it that doesn't. Uh, I think that's kind of why I stuck around with it. I think I initially picked it up just to see what it was about, 
but it doesn't, at least this far into it, it doesn't have sort of that gross lewdness to it yet. <laughs> I'm a little early, but I just I just don't get that vibe from it yet. I think that's a lot of it for me, just to go back to Helen's earlier point. Yeah, there is a bit less body switching later on, which makes me sad, because I just found like that was a really good source of comedy for a lot of mm-hmm. times. Yep. Or I don't know if it's at the end of one of the volumes where they talk about like going to the restroom and she's like, oh, I just told it the whole time. And that like it was like unexpectedly funny. Like I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because plenty of the characters are like, oh, dear, how do I do stuff as the other gender? And a lot of times you yeah. find the girls are just a lot more blunt. Like, eh, I just didn't care. Mm. oh yeah and when they switch bodies like the boy the boys always do the whole boob grab and the girls definitely go there is something down there (laughs) i have a dick now what is this (laughs) i I think i've joked that it's the most realistic scenario if teenagers switched bodies like that is actually what would happen yep Mm -mm. Uh, sure she might not be like Whatever, I'm going to go, Sergey, please take a bath in my body so I can have to. <laughs> sure, I should trust Yamada a lot at that point. <laughs> yeah, they switch bodies a lot. There's a lot of quotables in this episode, including, please take a bath with my body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, then, you know, the premise of this manga is that two kids fell downstairs and then accidentally kissed on their way down the stairs, so it's going to be ridiculous pretty much throughout. Falling down the stairs sounds like a euphemism for something, but it's actually not. No, they literally just fell down the stairs. Nope, they just went downstairs, and then things went downhill from there. Nope. I've always been curious about that, too, because, like, when I, the times that I've, like, fallen downstairs, I've broken things. People just seem like they casually fall downstairs in these things, and they're fine. I mean, I break bones falling down the stairs, so. Oh, we have a friend on Twitter called Magical Emmy who calls it the Shoujo Stairs. That's what she calls it. I have have heard her say that. (laughs) Like, you know, it happens more in shoujo manga where, you know, someone is about to fall down the stairs, but they're caught by somebody else. And she'll just post post screenshots on Twitter and be like, it's another attack of the shoujo stairs. Shoujo stairs and shoujo ball. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. The shoujo ball? You know when the the character has the, like, gym ball goes straight into their face in gym class? Oh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for those fans of fairy tale, you may notice that this kind of looks like fairy tale. It makes because Yoshikawa used to be a uh, assistant for Hiromashima. That's that's uh, I think her arc does grow by the end of the series, so you can distinguish it from fairy tale, but it's still very rooted in that kind of style. And we definitely get a lot of panty and boob shots in the series. Like, yep. yeah, if you don't like those, um, you've probably figured out by this point this is probably not the series for you. But <laughs> uh, just just to be explicit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fan service. Definitely by, like, the end, it was every other chapter cover, probably, that was showing something. But, again, if you're not quite sure, you're thinking this might be funny, it might not, you can try out the anime, even, since it was a pretty good adaptation. And that's on Crunchyroll, and the manga, again, is in its entirety in Crunchyroll, last I checked, in addition to being put out by uh, Kodansha USA in print. Kodansha, I believe, has gotten about halfway... I have not been keeping up with the Kodansha sales on right stuff, so I'm not sure. Neither have I. <laughs> this is how real manga fans buy their stuff. We buy it in bulk from right stuff every couple of months, whenever there's a sale. I think they just had a Kodansha one that lined up right with Vertical. I didn't get anything from but I feel like they just had that not very long ago. Ah, darn, gotta, gonna have to wait again, then. Mm. But it's good to know that it's on Crunchyroll and that I don't necessarily have to put 21 more volumes on my shelf. Yep. Yeah, just go read it there. 
Mm. Volume 15 just came out. So yes, they are just about halfway. I mean, just over halfway. Mm. And with that, I think we should wrap up so April can get on over to Crunchyroll and keep reading. Yep. Uh, where can we find you guys when you guys are not reading manga? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mangiorin, Um And I do some editing, although I am behind, <laughs> at uh, Organization Antisocial Geniuses. Um, but you can mostly uh, find me on Twitter. And in all fairness, you're behind because I got my review in late this week since my papers kicked my butt. <laughs> well, I, I also had a birthday this weekend, so I was in and out of town. So that is why I'm behind. <laughs> I'm officially uh, 30 years old. So. Nice. Congratulations and happy birthday. Congratulations, <laughs> and that is a perfectly valid excuse. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Corey, where can we find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I am passionate gay. And uh, I also write Kangen Post sometimes, and I do another podcast called The Taiku Podcast, where I talk about sports anime, usually. And you can find me at Wandering Dreamer on Twitter. You can find me writing for the OASG. And this podcast is sort of a subsidiary to the Taiku Podcast, and you can find us on their website, or you can find us on iTunes, I think Stitcher and Google Play Music as well right now, uh, if anyone enjoys I'm not sure if we're on those things, but if anyone wants us on those things, I will figure out how to do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if you want us on those things, leave us a review. Like, yell at us on Twitter. Write a review on iTunes. Tell us where you want to hear us. That'll be easier, especially as Apple keeps putting out their weird updates for the podcast app. <laughs> <laughs> and we will hopefully be back in your feed one way or another in two weeks. See you, everybody. Bye, guys. Adios. Uh, yes, but uh, how do they switch bodies and do all these other things, Helen? Uh, didn't I say they kiss? No, you didn't say. Yeah, I, said, I said they don't um, want she switched back by kissing. Oh, I missed that part. Corey. Well, I, listen, I heard the part where they fell down the stairs, and then you didn't say that they kiss, so I assumed that you would just never say it. <laughs> Maybe just, like, block it out. Corey, there is a kiss mark in the logo for this series. <laughs> Is there? On the Japanese version, at least I'm pretty sure they incorporated it in the American logo as well. Oh, there it is. Oh my god, Corey! (laughs) (laughs) He's just staring off into space while we talk. (laughs) Yep.